Good morning, good morning. Welcome to Back from the Brink. This is Todd Brinker. I'm here with Aaron. How are you today? I am beautiful. I am I am good. Not beautiful as in like I look beautiful. I'm having a beautiful day. I do want to apologize to our listeners. We've had some technical difficulties uh, starting a couple days ago where we didn't have a show two days ago. Yesterday, our show was not able to stream. We were able to catch it, and today we're going to probably be doing the same thing. We're still having some issues with our streaming software. So uh, what happens is that people who listen to the streaming just hear my half. They just hear my side. You don't hear Aaron, which is... Uh, that's a bummer. Yeah, yeah. You know, we get half the story here, and let's face it, that's that's pretty dull. Um, <laughs> so, um, but uh, you know, I've got a piece of software that captures everything coming in um, and gets both halves, so at least we have it, and I can go and um, you know put that out there for download, and it's available for download for those of you. Who don't know it's available for download within minutes of this show being off the air so uh, if you subscribe uh, you'll have it and hopefully if you're subscribing that you will also go to iTunes podcast uh, or to the podcast app on your Apple and rate it most podcast apps use Apple's uh, podcast uh, table Black of contents one? basically oh, as the, their, their index in order to keep track of all the podcasts out there and where they are. And so if you go use it, even if you don't use the Apple Podcast app, if you would go use it on occasion, and you can then rate things. That's the only place that you can actually rate things that gets put back on the um, on the index, and then we get bumped up a little bit. So uh, good ratings do us good, and if you feel like we deserve a bad rating, then forget please, you heard me talking yeah, about this please go away quietly yeah. i'm just saying yeah <laughs> just pretend uh, we never had this conversation is that so. exactly exactly yeah. so you know um so a friend of mine posted on facebook this um this meme that talked about you know the outsize population um and therefore like what they were talking about is the, uh, doing away with the electoral college and the idea or not doing away with the Electoral College. The idea is that five states would control all of our national elections, meaning you right. know, all of our, well, our presidential elections. Yeah. And so if you're not from California, Texas, New York, Florida, Ohio, Pennsylvania, um, then um, Illinois, so I guess that's more than five, I guess seven states, um, uh, okay. then, then you're just going to be invisible. And they're saying, but yes, but there's where the population lives. And I said, well, you know, it's really, I keep, first of all, there's two points here. The first point is you, those more populated states have a greater number of electors. And so they already have a weighted um, vote for president, right? They already have yeah. um, uh, an increased, um, sorry, somebody's trying to box yeah. me out. And in, I'm driving. So if we have an increased um, uh, influence on the election, which as they should, because they're more populated. Yeah. United States. What they don't have is the uh, an influence or electors enough to make it so that the other states are invisible. Right. That the other 43 states are invisible. Well, our our so, founding fathers, you know, went through this process and they came up with the electoral college for this very reason. You know, so that the big yes. states, I mean, back then the big state was like Virginia and Massachusetts. 
and, and Pennsylvania, th those those big states would have dominated the country. I mean, as Everything, it is, yeah. as it is right now, if we could do away with the Electoral College, then our country is run by New York and California, which would probably make a lot of very liberal people happy. But, you yes. know, that 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 loses the vast majority of the, the country, the, the center of the country. Uh, and why would they stay in the union? And that's the, that's the rub. The re, you know, when especially when we were, were founded, but it's still this way. Um, we have states and those states, people vote in those states and they exist in those states. And then, you know, why would you need the union? Right. Why would you need the United States if you are essentially invisible? Right. Yeah, no, there's you 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 take away the necessity of being part of something. Well, you're creating a situation where you have uh, no representation again, which was which was ostensibly the the, the reason for the uh, yes the creation of the United States in the first place was that we wanted yes. some representation in our rule, and uh, and we don't want to you know look to take that away. If anything, we should be looking at things like and I don't know why they they harp on the the District of Columbia so much when we've got. Um, uh, you know, a variety of other places that have no representation. You know, we've got, if you live in any of the uh, United States governed outlying territories that are not states, you do not have any representation. Um, you know, or if you do have representation, it's representation that has no vote, which is like, great. You, you get right. to, you know, wave your hands and say hi to people. Uh, <laughs> you know. Right. I am right? the congressman representing people who have no say. That's me. <laughs> hi. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> well, and the and the, the flip side of that, or not the flip side, but the moving in that direction, you know, people say, well, I love the United States, except that the Senate shouldn't be based on the, the you shouldn't get two electors per state, because that's not fair. Iowa and California shouldn't be equal. And, you know, the president should have more power. You know, I, I think that the president should be more powerful, but he needs to be elected by the majority and not by, you know, by the electoral college and it's like okay wait a minute so you love our our country except how it's governed right the structure of the country so what you're saying is that you love the dirt that you're standing on yeah you know yeah. and so that's it's so it so bothers me you love you say you love our country but you want to dismantle it yeah well no. i don't think they see it as just they, they consider it like some small tinkering what, what people don't realize is that those small little tinkers are are fundamental things that make us who we are and how we work yes. as a country. And, and has, there's there's a reason why we are the longest um, existing democracy. Most democracies don't don't they don't make it. Yeah, because it's difficult and it's messy, and it's and it's not always um, you know self correcting right away. You know, it self corrects over time, but it doesn't self correct right away. And so, uh, you know, when, when the when the country makes, you know, bad decisions, you know, when we were founded, the founders knew that that slavery was something that had to end at some point. Most of them agreed with that that philosophy. Yes. They also agreed that it wasn't the time to do that. We were just starting out as a country, and if we tried to do that, we would have lost half the country, if not more. Yes. You know, we wouldn't have had all the states on board, and so we understood that that was something that was awful and had to be dealt with down the line. Yes. And and so unfortunately a lot of people, presidents and, and Congress people, pushed it down the line until it finally came to a head and they said we can't keep pushing this down the line anymore. You know, and then we had a war. I yes, mean and, we did. and which which I think 
makes it even more correct that the founding fathers said, let's not deal with this right now because we just, just fought a war to get our independence from Britain. Are we now going to continue that war and turn on ourselves? And do we have the strength and the conviction to make sure that we have this, the, the, the strength of unity? You know, what would have happened at that point? Well, probably at least half the country would have fallen apart and, and ended up reintegrating with Great Britain. Probably. Yes. Probably. I agree. If not the entire country, because we would have fallen apart as a country. I don't know that we would exist today if they'd have tried to take that issue on as awful as it was. You know, and, and I'm not, you know, in any way saying, hey, you know, it's not important because it was incredibly important. Um, you know, and I wish it hadn't taken, you know, another hundred years before the country took it on. Uh, and got and, and did away with slavery, but it was not something that, as a foundling country, that we could handle and survive. And and, and I'm not getting way off the point here, but the, but but to bring it back around, it's like you know the founding fathers were aware of the good and the bad. They thought about this stuff deeply, and said that within our country there are things that we need to do that work well, and there are things that we. Um, uh, you know, want to try to avoid. Yes. And setting, I, yeah, go ahead. No, no. And I, there's a, and I couldn't agree with you more that one of the other things that people who want to dismantle our country, um, are talking about is, you know, what is free speech and what should be protected speech and redefining, um, some speech as hate speech. Now there is speech that's ugly and hateful and nasty, but you have the freedom to think what you want to think. And speech is a part is a, is a part of thought, right? So, is if you're not doing anything that hurts another person, then it you should it should not be illegal, right? Right? You should not. That's different. Saying something, saying I don't like so and so, or saying you know whatever political position that you have is different from setting fire to buildings. Mm-hmm. It, you know, and so you speech um, in the form written speech, spoken speech. Video, videoed speech, whatever. Speech is speech, and you should have the right to say what you want to say. You have a right to be a despicable, evil Nazi in this country. You have that right. You don't have a right to go hurt people in that, in that, uh, when you're doing that. But you do have a right um, to think mm-hmm. evil, horrible, ugly things. I think that it's dangerous to um, to take the position that that thought needs to be curtailed. Certainly, we can we can frown against that thought as a culture. We can rail against that thought. We cannot make it illegal. Right, and, and you don't like somebody's speech, then offer an alternative speech. You know, speak right. speak out against that person. Explain why what they're saying is wrong, inappropriate. You know, wrong-headed, hateful. What you know, explain it however you want, but don't you don't shut it down. That's what frustrates the heck out of me when we, we've you know, uh, in, in the not too recent past, uh, had uh, conservative speech shut down on college campuses, shouted down, yes, you know, and it's like that's happening now, yeah. And and you're going like, well, why are you not allowing them to speak just because you have a differing opinion? That that's an inappropriate way to handle things in this country, allow them to speak. And then allow somebody to provide a counterpoint. That's the way we handle it in this country. You don't you don't squelch the speech. You open it up even further. Let everybody talk. You know. And so you know if they have a speaker that's coming on that you think is um, wrong-headed and saying uh, hateful things, 
then let them come on and have an alternative thing going on at the same time or schedule something right behind them and say, right. and we're going to have this other, you know, alternative uh, perspective. And so you can either go listen to which one you want if they're at the same time, or you can stick around and hear both sides of the story, you know? Yes. So, and I want to talk about a case that, that I learned about in high school and then again talked about in college, but I don't ever hear it brought up anymore. The, the National Socialist Party of America versus the village of Skokie. This is in Illinois. Right. Um, and it was called the Skokie Affair. It was a landmark decision of the Supreme Court in 1977 uh, dealing with freedom of speech and freedom of assembly. Um, this case is considered a classic free speech case in con law classes, constitutional law classes. That's why I, um, which I found extraordinarily interesting, and I loved that class in college, and I loved talking about it in high school. Um, the Supreme Court ruled um, that that the they rep, they remanded the Illinois Supreme Court's denial to lift the lower court's injunction on this this Nazi NPSA march. In other words, the court decided a person's assertion, their speech is being restrained, must be reviewed Im immediately by the judiciary. Um, by requiring the state court to consider the neo-Nazis appeal without delay, the U.S. Supreme Court decision opened the door to allow that the, the NS, uh, the National Socialist Party of America, to march. And the thing that, to me, that is the most remarkable about it is that the, the uh, attorney for the National Socialists was Jewish. And it's not that he obviously didn't support, he obviously didn't support Nazis. This is 30 years after the end of um, World War II. What he supported was the ability for each person to have their own um, thought in their, they had a right to their own thought and their own mind, their own thoughts and their own mind, and they had a freedom to assembly. And so I, you know, this to me is indicative of one of the things that makes America great. And I think that anything that is designed to curtail that is dangerous. Yeah. No, I, I agree. You know, it's, you, you, you tinker with tinker with freedoms very very carefully. Yes. You know, and and people who want to barge in and 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 rewrite aspects of our you know uh, the the First Amendment and and uh, you know I mean when you, there's a reason that amendments are really really hard to change, you know, and that and that's that's by design. You don't go changing people's uh, uh, rights. And, and essentially, that's what our what, that's what our constitution is is a list of of our rights versus the uh, the rights and, and and regulations on our government. You know. Yes, and there's a modern narrative that speech is violence. Speech is not violence unless you're unless you're actively calling for not not you know by extension, but actively calling for violence to be done. Speech is not violence. Yeah. Um, and you have a right to wave a flag that offends people. Right. Well, even if you're actively calling out violence to be done, and I'm certainly not saying that this is a, a th thing you could do, even if you're doing it, the speech itself is not the violence. It's the person who then listens to it, decides to take it up and do it. That's the person Indeed. committing the violence. The person speaking it can be an idiot. They can be brilliant, but it doesn't make them the person perpetrating the violence. Although, although I would say... It's interesting because I watched um, a, a documentary yesterday on um, uh, Felician Kabuga, I think his last name is, who was the, um, he was the, the, the largest financier 
of um, the Rwandan violence, of the, the, the genocide that happened in the 90s. Um, and he owned a radio station. And on this radio station, every single day, he talked about the, um, the Tutsi people being cockroaches and we needed to, you know, to exterminate them and over and over and over and over again. And, and then he supplied all the weapons. Now, right. supplying all of the weapons, of taking course, action. is that's taking action. Yeah. Um, but, um, but certainly the indoctrination of essentially kill, 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 right. kill, that's, that is questionable, but saying, um, you know, you have a right to be ugly. You right. do. Well, and I don't, and let me be clear too. I'm not saying that it is not illegal to say, go out and, and attack somebody because they have a different colored skin or, or go out and, and tear apart somebody's doors because they're of a different faith than you. That is, you know, that that incites violence and it doesn't make it right. But it also isn't violence in and of itself. It's words. I see. I see you what know. you're saying. Yeah, I, you absolutely. Know, it's words. I, and people it, need to take a step back and understand that words are, are worth, you know, what they're written on. You know, word, words that are violent is when you take a heavy book and hit somebody over the head with it. <laughs> Those are violent words. Those are violent words. Probably shouldn't yeah. do that. You know, and, and there's there's plenty of speech that I don't agree with that I think is ugly, but I, you know, I, and I'm not going to listen to it and I'm going to speak out against it. And, and that's how it's supposed to work. Right. That's how it's supposed to work. Yeah. Um, I think that we have lost the ability to control ourselves, that we feel, and, and I have actually been called wishy-washy because I didn't take, um, you know, if I disagreed with somebody, I didn't take a a strong stance against them and fight against them and, mm -hmm. you know, all of this. And I take a strong political stance and weed out the, 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 the people who are fence sitters and all. And I'm like, dude, you know, I believe what I believe and you do, you do you and right. we're good. You know, I, I don't mm -hmm. need to control what you think. Right. Right. Well, and, and just because I'm not reacting in the way you think is appropriate doesn't mean that somehow I'm wrong or lesser than, or, you know, exactly. I'm, I'm reacting the way I react and it's, you know, my honest reaction. So let me have it. Yeah, exactly. Give Back me that up, space. Buddy. Yeah. Give me that space. <laughs> hey, um, I don't know if you've seen uh, any ads for it or, or um, seen any uh, thing. If you're watching HBO, they've been talking about a new series that they've coming out with called Lovecraft country. And, it's sort of based on H.P. Lovecraft's um, uh, work. And he was sort of a notorious racist throughout his life. He was not, um, it's one of the major controversies. This is a guy who, who died at age 47. He killed himself. Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah, he had, and, and he basically died penniless. Um, uh, he was never successful, never lived off of his writings, but he published lots of stuff and... And it all ended up in pulp magazines, so he didn't get paid very well, and sometimes didn't get paid at all. After he passed away, people started realizing that H.P. Lovecraft had some pretty phenomenal writings. But they also came to recognize that he was a pretty sincere, speaking about somebody talking from their, their heart and having just hate in his heart, um, a pretty sincere racist. And, and he didn't really hold back uh, in a lot of his writing in terms of his his uh, personal feelings about anybody who wasn't a white Anglo-Saxon. And, and in fact, he even used people of different race sort of as the targets of some of his horror that he wrote. Realize he wrote in like what they called strange fiction and horror and um, dealt with a lot of things like, you know, non-human non influences on humanity and forbidden knowledge and inherited guilt and fate and, and, you know, civilization under threat, which 
you know, if you're a sort of a poor, paranoid um, racist, that feeds right into that, you know, type of stuff. Sort of, we also wrote about like the risks of religion and uh, uh, running amok, or of of science becoming a religion and things like that. And and so, I mean, he, he touched on just so many different areas, and they are now on HBO creating a series called Love Lovecraft Country, and interestingly enough most of the uh, protagonists are african-americans and so they're dealing with his racist his racism by having a lot of the characters dealing dealing with living in america and and functioning with weird creepy crawlies and things that go bump in the night um, and and seeing it sort of from the african-american perspective which i think is actually an interesting take on it and so um, i'm kind of looking forward to seeing some of this well, he sounds like he was into some pretty dark stuff. I mean, it, you know, I um, meaning like, you know, if he's talking about occultic things um, mm -hmm. and uh, wow. And he was up, uh, driven into madness because he committed suicide. So, um, well, wow. a lot of that was depression, too. They said he dealt with a lot of depression and, and his, his mother died. And shortly after that, he committed suicide. And, you know, he had to move back home because he had no money because his stories weren't selling and. And I mean, he, he lived a pretty depressing life by all accounts, and, and you you got a feel for the guy. I mean, he, he you know, I certainly don't want to excuse any of his uh, his racist views, but but uh, he he did not have um, a joyous and, and love filled life by any stretch. Um, so yeah, he um, born in eighteen ninety, and he died in nineteen thirty seven. So he died in the depression, um, right. uh, evidently penniless. So. Um, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, but if you're if you're a, a lover of fiction, um, I, I like I like fiction and science fiction, not so much like the horror type of stuff. And so I've never been a huge reader of him, but I'm aware of his. And I've read some of his stuff and seen some of his things. Basically, a lot. Imagine the Twilight Zone. I mean, a lot of stuff that was Twilight Zoney is very much right up Lovecraft Sally. <laughs> Excuse me. Bless you. I, I was like. Where's the button? Where's the button? I couldn't find the dang button. I, <laughs> you know, I, I switch back and forth between this show and when we're live on the radio, I have two different mics that I'm using. And in this one, uh, I have a roll switch that sits on the desktop. The other one, the mute button is literally on the mic. And so um, I have to bounce back and forth. And, it's allergy season. Yeah, and there was another sneeze, but that time I found the button. Wah, wah, wah. Actually, no, 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 you didn't because I heard you sneeze. Uh, you heard me sneeze because you're on a separate mic than the one that actually records. Ah, I have okay. a separate mic that use that, that the Skype runs over, but the recording mic is uh, was muted. So those who will be listening to the podcast <laughs> will not hear that sneeze. Oh, wait a minute. You know what? Maybe they will today because of the way I'm doing this, catching the... Uh, I don't know. I'm so confused on the way stuff is working right now. Um, it's and, early in the morning, you know, people. you got to give us a break. technical support people on our recording software and our broadcasting software. And I've got too many different things going on here. I think I might just tear it all out and plug in one mic and see if I can make it all work tomorrow with one mic or Monday with one mic. I've got all weekend to figure it out. This is driving me nuts. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where you've got like 47 things happening at once and, and you're going, well, how come this isn't working? And it's like, well, I don't know. Maybe the other 46 things have something to do with it. No, no, that can't be it. Look over here. Um, who knows? Troubleshooting. Hey, um, you thinking about buying a brand new 2020 Corvette? Um, 
no, but <laughs> sure. Sure, why not? Well, apparently, their frunk, which I never understood the idea of calling a front trunk a frunk, because <laughs> it's, you don't call the back <laughs> trunk a bunk. You know, it sounds ridiculous. Yeah, trunk I mean, it's it's it, because it's in the front. It's a mid-engine car, so they have a trunk in the front of the car, much like a Tesla, or you know, why don't they just call it the hood or the bonnet? You know, I mean, it, that's what it is. It's in the front of the car. It's the hood or the bonnet. It whether it covers an engine or whether it covers a storage space is irrelevant, and the trunk is in the back because that's where you put your trunk. They don't call it a bunk in the back because it's in the back. It's a trunk. I it, so so. <laughs> Frunk makes no sense. But anyhow, um, several 2020 Corvette C8 owners are uh, com concerned that uh, they've had their front trunk now pop open while driving at 40 miles an hour down the road. Oh, my goodness. And here's part of the, 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 the twist, apparently. Um, when you have a frunk, it is not the same as the hood or the bonnet, which covers your engine. When you have a hood or a bonnet, notice that your car, when you unhook, you know, you pull the little thing or push the button to pop the hood, you still have to go up there and push a mechanical lever. There's a catch so that if it comes undone, it doesn't come flying up and hitting your face. Well, guess what? That law doesn't cover it if you're covering a storage space. So the fine folks at Chevy apparently didn't put that catch on their frunks. And, and so Chevy is saying that the only reason it pops open is because of user error. I'm saying whether it pops open because of user error or not, you guys didn't put the safety latch in there, so it's all your fault. Um, yeah, I'm sorry, but user error, my eye. Yeah. I don't believe that. I think they're just trying to avoid liability because yeah. they didn't take the, the time to, to test their product well enough. Yeah, well, I suspect that new versions of this set, the C8 uh, Chevy Corvette will have the hood latch catch that would be there if it was over a motor anyway. Because why I wouldn't you? Anything yeah. that opens forward like that. I mean, there's a reason they don't have suicide doors on cars anymore that open that way, right? Uh. Yes. <laughs> so I, I got to say, you know, honestly, you shouldn't be able to take it out of park if it's if it's not set straight. You know, if it's not latched, fully latched, you yeah. shouldn't be allowed to put take it out of park. It should be that idiot proof because people get busy. They're not paying attention. They start their car. They, they may not have realized if they have a door open or the, the, the frunk open. Um, right. And Chevy should have put something in to make it impossible for you to find yourself in that situation because you could easily kill yourself and others. Yeah, when, when it pops happens. up and you can't see where you're going because the yes. thing folds up over your front windshield. Um, they, uh, one of the owners that has had this happen said that he absolutely knows that when he got in the car that the hood was latched properly and that there was nothing that um, said that you know, there's, there's an indicator as to whether there's doors open or whether the hood's open. He says none of those indicators were lit. This thing popped open uh, without any warning, and it blocks all your view. And when it pops up, it bent the hinges, and it also dented both quarter panels on, on each side of the car. So not only does the hood itself have to be replaced and fixed, but they have to do body work on, on the corner of both quarter panels of the car where the hood popped up as well. So... Uh, not no yeah, not he, good. he's pretty livid and the chevy people are saying well you know you obviously didn't know what you were doing and the guy's like i know how to close a hood i'm sorry yeah a front and trunk it, lid and it doesn't matter it yeah. doesn't matter you know it, it doesn't they should yeah. they this is on them it should be it should be foolproof yeah. in my in my opinion although i do love one quote from here from a uh, an owner who had this happen let me read this quote 
I was pulling out of the driveway and onto a city road, driving about 30 to 40 miles an hour, and my front trunk opened on its own. I had no warning signs and got no audible alerts when my front trunk opened on its own. I've been in contact with my dealership, and they said GM warranty will not cover the problem or fix my damages, that my insurance needs to cover that. Okay, first of all, you're pulling out of your driveway at 30 or 40 miles an hour? <laughs> Welcome to being a Chevy Corvette owner, I guess. Yeah, yeah apparently. Uh, but yeah, no warning signs or no audible alerts that it was open um, or that it was not set properly. Um, and then the dealership goes, tough luck, it's on you. I can't believe that they don't have this design, like you said, to be foolproof. This should be an idiot. This should be a, this is a solved problem. Why on earth are they having these kind of issues now? Exactly. Just, you know, this was solved exactly. years ago. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. None at all. And, and honestly, what this tells me when it says this is on you too bad so sad sucks to be you um there that tells me that you should never ever buy a car from chevy never because yeah. they're gonna if there's something bad happens that it's their fault they're gonna blame it on you anyway and they're not gonna they're yeah. not gonna take care of your problem well, okay they, fine chevy yeah. i'll buy a ford they do what every uh, large corporation does when something goes wrong with their product. Their first instinct is, it's not our fault. We didn't do that. It's you. You misused our product. They all do that right off the bat. And then after 100 people or 1,000 people or 10,000 people complain, then they go, okay, quietly, we'll recall this stuff. Okay, but we but, admit but, no blame. Yeah, but, but here's the thing. You remember the Tylenol? um uh tampering like i think it was in seattle in the in the in the 90s or 80s late 80s or 90s where mm -hmm. somebody had contaminated the tylenol mm -hmm. and um tylenol immediately when they heard about it immediately um recalled and 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 issued an apology right. and their management of that is still taught in business schools and communication schools about crisis management about oh, yeah. how you how it needs to be done but then companies don't learn from that they do what Chevy does. And so, again, yeah. that tells me that I will buy anything but a Chevy. Yeah, well, that is the exception rather than the rule. But, yeah. Unfortunately, that, yeah. It is. It is. And, yeah, I, you know, it's, um, you know, I don't, I don't know if it's indicative of Chevy being any better or worse than anybody else in terms of that stuff, in terms of the way the world is today with large companies. But it certainly makes, you know, you, you can vote with your pocketbook, right? Yes. I mean, the... Uh, the every car competes in a certain segment. There are other cars in that segment. You know, you can make other choices. And buy uh, a Porsche. Well, they cost a lot more, but um, <laughs> but there are uh, not not that I don't love Porsches. You know me, but um, uh, yeah, there are uh, there are other options in the same price range as a C8 to give you. Um, uh, You know, Cor I don't know. There's there's people out there who are Corvette people who are going to say there's nothing like a Corvette. Got to have a Corvette. No, that's what I'm going to buy because that's what I like because it's the coolest car. I've been dreaming of it my whole life. And when I get my money, I'm going to go buy a Corvette. And yeah, I get that. Just like there are people who say the same thing with Porsches and and uh, uh, you know lots of other iconic cars. But you got to think about the company behind it sometimes. And when they're doing this kind of stuff, uh, and this is a yeah. particularly you know they're. They're under a microscope right now with this new car because it's the first time that they've moved the engine behind the driver instead of out in front like every other Corvette ever made. And so a lot of traditional Corvette enthusiasts are going, yuck. And then, but a lot of other people are going, hey, finally a Corvette that I like. So, you know, it's, it's a weird time for them. Not the right time for them to be 
putting off people by going, not our fault. Yeah. Yeah. Playing Bart Simpson. I didn't do it. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I actually, I have to say, I, the, there's, I don't like a lot of Corvettes, but Tobin and I were driving um, in Utah and uh, we drove by, it, was, it must have been from like 1958 Corvette. It was bright yellow and completely restored. Or like, yeah, it was yellow and completely restored, yellow and white, two-tone. It was gorgeous. Gorgeous, that car. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, whoever had restored it really loved it because it, it, uh, it was very well cared for. Now, I would have one of those Corvettes. <laughs> yeah. If money used, were no object, I would buy one of those. I used to work with a guy who bought an old one. I think it was a 62 or 63 split window Corvette and restored it. And it was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful car. He had a three ring spiral notebook of photos of the restoration from like when he started, what it looked like when he got it and how, you know, over time. And it was a multi-year project to build that thing up. And it was absolutely beautiful. Absolutely oh, yeah. Talk beautiful. about a labor of love. Yeah, you know, it was he was the guy who who at, you know nights and weekends when he got off work would go home and, and out to the garage and start tinkering and he and he tinkered and tinkered and tinkered and finally one day he pulled out this beautiful beautiful car, you know, um, and I say tinker because you know he, you also got to send parts out but I mean he's one of those guys who like look took it down to the nuts and bolts and got everything finished in in uh, you know factory colors and 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 perfect chrome and. I mean, wow. it, it was a Concours spotless, beautiful car that he drove very carefully, and he put it on a trailer and would take it to shows and stuff once he was done with it because it was spotless. It was lovely. So that's back when you could really work on cars. Modern cars are not—they're harder because they're it's all much harder. Yeah, it's much harder. You got to be a computer engineer now to to work on your Tesla, right? Yeah, uh, exactly. And a, exactly. And, and a battery expert and a. Uh, Actually, you know, it's funny because I, I say that the electric cars are significantly simpler vehicles than uh, the what is a gasoline car today. You know, a gasoline, Seriously. like you said, a gasoline car of the you know 50s, 60s, 70s was something that you know a lot of guys you know give me a set of tools and I can go out and tune it up and do a lot with it. It's gotten harder and harder to do that as things have gotten more and more computer controlled. But when you look at, and I'm not saying it's easier to work on, but you look at an electric car, there's no cooling system, there's not a radiator, there's not a lot of fluids that have to go into it, um, there's brake fluid, and, and a lot of the brakes are not even hydraulic like they are in traditional cars, they're electronic, because it's an all-electric car, so why wouldn't you have electric braking systems? Um, so, you know, what, what you have is some solenoids and some motors and a bunch of wires going back to a battery and a controller. And so you have a computer controller and, and a bunch of electrical stuff. And so there's really, there's fewer parts and pieces. Um, like I said, that you can't easily work on them, but it's different kind of work if you do ch- choose to try to do something. And, uh, and because they're simplified, there's less parts to wear out, less to maintain. So over the long run, other than the fact that the batteries themselves have a limited life, the rest of the car should last a long time with minimal maintenance. Yep. Yep. There's a lot of positives well, about electric cars. Yeah, my brother loves his Tesla. Mm-hmm. He absolutely does, and it's a beautiful car. I got to drive it shortly after he got it, and was really impressed. Honestly, today, I if uh, you know we have there's two drivers in the house. We have three cars, or I call it two and a half because one is barely driven, but I have, you know, because I have an old, older Porsche, 
um, that I don't drive much, you know, so disclose. I was, you know, we alluded to my Porsche affinity earlier. Um, but the, um, the, one of our two main driver cars, I would love to be an electric car, you know, for, for commuting to and from work, that just makes perfect sense. But in, in today's, with today's technology and, and today's day and age, I don't think that could be your only car because if you want to try to travel like, you know, we've got family in the uh, Sacramento area. Well, trying to drive to Sacramento in an electric car, I would have to find somewhere in between to stop and charge. And, right. And, you know, they, they say they're good for, you know, X hundred and X miles, but in reality, that's usually about 80% of that. So can I make it on two charges? Do I have to stop twice and make it three charges each time I stop I have to stop for at least an hour for charging so that adds one if not two hours to my trip and I've got to stop and I've got to find the chargers and that's getting much easier and it's built into the cars you know to find where there's chargers and stuff but it's just it's not a good way to travel longer distances but you know back and no. forth to work every day uh, out to dinner you know bop into LA and back or whatever, or down to the beach and back. It's, uh, yeah, it's just, to me, that's the way to go. Indeed. Indeed. As, so, as the second car. I, I have to, I have to share what I'm doing with everyone tomorrow. I am going to donate, um, platelets tomorrow. I'm going, I, I can't do whole blood because I always pass out when I, when I donate whole blood. So I donate the whole apheresis. And which they take the components out and then put what they don't need back in the body. Um, our blood banks are desperate for blood right now. Um, you know, people, blood. Exactly. So people who are and platelets, uh, those so platelets are components that are predominantly used um, for by cancer patients um, because it's the white blood cells and they they have their white blood cells are mm -hmm. diminished by radiation and chemotherapy and so that's what the if you're if you're if you know somebody who has cancer donating platelets you know gets you where you live so to speak it's it's where you you know you can really know that you're helping somebody even if you don't um and so i am i i have a, an appointment tomorrow to go to our local blood bank and which is live stream and uh and donate and i just wanted to encourage everybody everybody to donate especially if you have um o positive or o negative blood i do not but i'm still donating um uh we absolutely uh absolutely need it for for emergency surgeries and for planned surgeries, you know. Yeah, yeah so. absolutely. The um, uh, I know that the, the plasma donations, they've also been using those for um, a, a method of treatment for COVID, especially if you've, yes. you've t tested positive for COVID, that you will have antibodies in your plasma that they can pull out. Um, so there's lots of different ways to help out and donate. You know, it's one of those things where I, I'm tempted to try it again. In the past, every time I have done it, I was absolutely nauseous and sick for like two or three days. It just oh. really affected me very negatively. And so I have just not done it over the years as a result. And I have tried everything they say in terms of making sure you're hydrated, making sure that your, you know, your, your vitamins are good. And it's just, it, it just, I don't, for whatever reason, when I give blood, they even even when I did, I've done like the smaller donation. You don't have to do the, the the full pint or whatever. I have just had really really bad experiences, and so and I know that's something you and Tobin do as often as you can. Um, I thank you, and I'm grateful that you do it, and that other people do it. I'm it's tempted, not not everybody can. Yeah. And, and I'm like tempted said, to try again, but it's just I you know I 
I really, literally uh, almost shudder in fear at, at how bad I felt the last time I did it. Oh, and it's don't been, do it. And it's been a long time. But I really, you know, I feel like I should. It's something that I could do. Um, and I guess now is as good a time as any in that I'm not going or doing anything. So uh, so if I was going to go do it, I you know, I just have to manage to get myself out of bed to come do the show, um, you know, if I'm feeling so- rotten. Some, some blood banks, so our, our local blood bank here, again, Livestream, they are doing COVID antibody tests for everybody who donates. And so, um, you know, that's mm-hmm. that's their, their benefit of, you know, because they, they right. try to give back to the donor. Yeah. And, and so. That's uh, awesome. You know, isn't that awesome? That really it's is, a- because that says, did you have COVID? And all these yes. COVID tests that you get just says, do you have COVID? It doesn't say yes. about anything about, did you have? And so, yes. you know, them doing that for you is because that's I, that's not something you can get done easily otherwise no it's not so um they do that's that's and I, i'm sure that there are other blood banks across the country who are doing the same thing um and and like i said i pass out when i donate whole blood i just can't mm-hmm. donate whole blood um but i do i donate the components and it takes longer the whole it's about three hours start to finish walking in and walking out of the blood bank so i bring a laptop and i watch a movie and it, you know, it's it's the people are friendly. Everybody's social dis, socially distanced. Everything is clean. It's a good experience. So, you know, get out there and do yeah. something good for someone today. You can't even finish Lord of the Rings in that time. I no, mean, you can't. You know, not even one episode of Lord of the Rings. So, so it's quick and easy. Exactly. Actually, comparison. the last time I watched Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> <laughs> You've talked about that addiction before, and I. And it's, I love that show. You know, it's funny. You're not the only one. I know several other people who have said that to me, too, in the past. And it's like, I look at that show and go, eh. It's because you're not a girl. I guess. <laughs> McDreamy does nothing for me. <laughs> so. so with that, we are completely yes. out of time. On that happy, giggling note, have a wonderful day. Thanks for joining us. I'm Todd Brinker. I'm Aaron Brinker. Have a great weekend, everyone. We'll see mm-hmm. you next week. Thank you.